For the love of Pete, will you please stop raining? Well, it was a bit of a walk, but I got the gas can filled up, so... Uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, kind of was um, on you. Um, just saying, does it premium? Well, it's uh, premium leaded because the guy who uh, sold it to us told me that uh, the Wayback Music Machine would adapt to whatever time period we're in, so if they only have leaded gas, then that's what we'd use. So we should be good. Well, but you know what I noticed? There was no snacks at the gas station. I don't suppose you brought me back any crisps or anything, did you? <laughs> well, to be honest, I just wanted to get back here out of the damn rain. Fair enough, fair enough. So we're heading back to uh, 1960, aren't we? We are indeed. All right, you ready? Yep. In that case, let's go. Maps? Check. Snacks? Double check. Tunes? Check. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we are cruising the rock and roll highway in our way back music machine. Are you ready, my friend? I sure am. I have the feeling this is going to be the start of a great adventure. Kind of a magical mystery tour. Somehow I knew you were going to say that. All right, here we are, April 30th, 1960. And we're going to do a little Everly Brothers talk, aren't we? One of my favorite. Do you love the Everly Brothers? I I do. They were they were pretty cool. Well, and they were so influential. You look at who they influenced: um, the Beatles, the Hollies. I mean, everybody. They're, they're, Simon and Garfunkel would not have existed without. The, I mean, you know, Paul Simon talks about how they're a huge influence, right? No, absolutely. I think they they made the mold for the uh, you know the rock slash pop duo for sure. And on this date in 1960, they touched down in England for their first war, like coast-to-coast tour of England. But more importantly, their first, or not their first, but they, they're at number one for seven weeks with a song called Kathy's Clown. And what's important here is that they had just signed to Warner Brothers. And uh, no one knew how they were going to continue on their fame because up to this point, are you ready, Tony? They yeah. had 28 hits in the, in, in the U.K., yeah, that's unbelievable, isn't it? 28. And that was from 1950s to early 60s. And they were among the first to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In fact, one of the first 10 to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So here they were in 1960 with number one with a song called Kathy's Clown. Do you, you remember that one? I do. I do. Interesting song. Well, it's weird too, right? It's like, yeah, it's got that. I've got the instrumental hook running through my head right now, actually. Yeah. Do you want to? You want to have a treat? Put on Kathy's Clown and then listen to Harvest Moon by Neil Young back oh, to back. And Harvest Moon is one of my favorite songs by Neil. Young. Listen to them back to back. You can see where Neil Young was was very influenced by the by the uh, Phil and Don, the Everly Brothers. Right? Well, when we get back to 2021, guess what I'm going to do right away? So. <laughs> And and you know if you listen, I have a I have a great album by the Beatles called Anthology, and in one of the anthologies they're doing a song called um, uh, Well, huh. my brain just went numb. Two of us, you know the song Two of Us by the Beatles? I do. So in this outtake, at one point Paul goes, "Take it, Phil." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean the Beatles love them. So here they are. Here we are in 1960, and the Everly Brothers are dominating the singles charts. Uh, and they had 22 sold-out dates. And guess who their backing band was? Oh, who? The Crickets. Oh. Yeah, Buddy Holly's band, because, of course, Buddy, unfortunately, was no longer with us at this point. 
So they got the Crickets as a backup band. Can you imagine? That would have been an amazing show. That would have been incredible. So um, are you ready to uh, jump ahead? Because you know, you know what's interesting about this, actually, is that if you look, 1960, right? An American band dominating, well, dominating the charts. And, but it's and, only going to be a few years, isn't it, before British bands completely start taking over? Oh, yeah, the British Invasion. But you know what's interesting, Tony, about 1960, is if you look at the album charts, there's the, you know, number five is a soundtrack to a thing called, I'm going to do it my best Cockney accent, Things Ain't What They Used To Be. Uh, number four is a, a Broadway cast album called Fire Drum Song. Number three is Dwayne Eddy album called The Twang's The Thing, which is a great album, by the way. Two is Tony Hancock with This Is Hancock. And number one, number one album. So here's the evidence at number one on the singles charts. And number one on the album charts is South Pacific. <laughs> now, did I tell you, um, I acted in a production of South Pacific when I was You've in high school. You've never told me that. Yeah, yeah. I was just a very minor character because I was not a great actor. But can I share a little revelation with you? Yeah, of course. Because, you know, I'm a music director, professional musician, I've directed musical theater before. I hate musical theater. <laughs> like, I can't stand musical theater. It makes me want to cringe as soon as the first person opens their mouth. So that's just one of my, I don't enjoy musical theater. <laughs> you know, I knew there was something I liked about you from the get-go. <laughs> Not, not my thing either, to be perfectly honest. And so, what part did you play? In South, I've seen the movie South Pacific. What, what I was—I can't even remember. It was like a small little role. The pilot guy—he had like yeah. one little monologue. It was about a paragraph <laughs> long. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say you sang some of the great songs that are just something, you know. No, that wasn't me. But uh, yep, so that was my little South Pacific experience. Hey, you know what? We're going to yeah. jump ahead in a second. Let, we're going to jump to April 29th, 1967 in a minute. But it blows me away uh, how much things are going to change here in the UK in seven short years. Yeah, not a lot. Seven years is not long. No, no. But boy, things are going to change. Yes. So you're ready to jump ahead? I'm always ready. Yes. Okay, punch it in. 196.7. Excellent. Here we go. Hello, citizens. I'm taking a holiday from crime fighting in Gotham City. No rest from danger, though, because all around us is that deadly daily danger traffic. I admire the way all you British children triumph over this danger by learning and using the road safety code, like curb drill. Before crossing the road, you stop at the curb, look right, look left, look right again, and then only if the road is clear, walk quickly across. Now, children, how does it go? At the curb, stop. Look right, look left, look right again. If all's clear, walk quickly across. Remember, be smart, be safe. Always do your curb drill. Batman in the UK. Gotta love it. So, Tony, let's pull over here. This is the Alexandra Palace in London. And this is the place 
of an incredible event that happened on April 29th, 1967. Yeah, this is pretty amazing. So I, I can't wait to talk about this. Uh, this blows me away every time I watch some video of this and I'm like, wow. Can you imagine if they filmed the whole thing? Anyways, uh, <laughs> this is called the 14-hour Technicolor Dream. And it was a pretty trippy place. And it was, a, it was an event held to uh, basically in aid of a magazine called the International Times. And it was a hell of a lineup. If you look at who performed over the... Now, it was 14 hours. And you had the main headliners were Pink Floyd. That's right. Well, Sid Barrett was still uh, with them, wasn't he? He was. In fact, this was actually done about two or three weeks before their first album, the incredible Piper of the Gates of Dawn, was even released. So you got Pink Floyd, Arthur Brown, Soft Machine, and then this really bizarre artist by the name of Yoko Ono. And this is prior to her meeting John Lennon. Yes. And right? John Lennon and John Lennon made it to this event, didn't he? <laughs> you know why? Because he saw it on the news. Yeah. He thought, he thought well, this looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go check this out. And it ended up changing his life. But In more ways than one. Have you ever seen film footage of this? I have. And, and the, the thing that struck me, now the footage that I saw was all in black and white. But what struck me about this was, wow, this is so 1967. This is so, you know, two months before the summer of love type thing. But it's it, it could only happen, I think, in 1967. I, I, I would agree. And and Pink Floyd, I have a, a DVD with the whole Pink Floyd performance and they got the projections of, uh, you know, paint and lights behind them. And it's a bit of a freak out, right? Like it's yeah. not for the fate. And, and what makes me laugh is they're doing these very trippy songs of people dancing. Like, <laughs> well, yes. And, and lots of hallucinogens being imbibed. And- <laughs> yeah, you ever think so? <laughs> <laughs> I also saw some of the interviews, though, you know, and you had some people who were right into it. And of course, you had more, uh, some people very upset by the whole thing saying, what is this? You know, <laughs> very interesting. Well, and, and the, fi- the funny thing is that Floyd had just come from a concert in Holland. So they're playing in Holland and they get to London, whatever time of morning, and they pop up on stage. Um, yeah, know, they well, played at 5 a.m., right? They, I think it was 5 a.m., yeah. <laughs> I happen to be up usually at 5 a.m., but I've also oh, me slept. Too. But you've slept. That's right. <laughs> um, but you know, this is the thing, right? I was just watching a documentary, and they were talking about how everything in London used to close down at 11 o'clock. So this must have been incredibly revolutionary that at 2, 11.30, whatever time, you know, they had all these bands playing. And Yoko did her famous cut piece, right? She did mm-hmm. work. You had a model, and people were invited to come up with scissors and keep cutting off bits of her dress until she's left with nothing at all. People were kind of, uh, but, but that still performed. I just saw an, an, an article that that was actually performed just prior, prior, <laughs> prior to COVID. So it's oh. still some of that stuff still being performed. Did they yeah. leave her mask on or not? Oh, they did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't want to be sniffing around the mouth. <laughs> that's, that's dangerous. <laughs> Or the nose, take off a tip. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I still, you know, I, there's a piece of me that would have loved to have been at that event, um, just just for the freakiness of it. Oh, me too. And Susie Cream Cheese made an appearance. And, and do you know who Susie Cream Cheese is? I don't. Um, well, there's two things. First of all, The Move performed as well. The Move, do you know who they became? Uh, no. 
Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, okay. Wow. Sure story. And Susie Cream Cheese was a, a, a friend of Frank Zappa's, and she didn't really do anything except for pop up places and go, hey, I'm Susie Cream Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, you know, those are, yeah, the move turned into uh, ELO. So, a lot yeah, of. Uh, it was an interesting event, and watching the footage, like, like a couple things struck me. First of all, like I said, it, only in 1967. I, I think even a year later, this may not have happened. Definitely um, not happened, no. no. And um, the sheer number of people and just the sheer, the, like the vibe in the building was incredible. Well, and, as I said, I would, I would have. You know, if I if I could, too bad we may, we missed it. But you know, maybe next time we'll set the way back machine, way back music machine to get there in time. It's interesting when you talk about it could only be in '67 because if you look at the top five albums that week in the UK, yeah, what were they? Tom Jones, Green Green Grass of Home. You don't get much squarer than Tom Jones at that point. No. Beach Boys, the best of. Number three was the first Monkeys album. Number two is more of the Monkeys. And number one, and it had been on the charts for 108 weeks, was The Sound of Music. Yes, what a monster, eh, that was. And do you know what knocks The Sound of Music off number one? Hmm. Sergeant Pepper. Oh, Sergeant Pepper did, did it? Yeah. Incredible. And there's a young artist who's at number 13 who's creeping up the charts, a guy named Cat Stevens. So, yeah. But, but there's none of this kind of hippie music in the top five. Interesting. So the, this is completely, I mean, you know, we talk about alternative these days. <laughs> but, you know, we were mentioning before the trip, like we were talking, this is very reminiscent of raves and things like that. That happened much later. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 and, and just a different drug. Yes, um, exactly. They went from, from LSD to uh, whatever it is, a drug. I can't think of the name right now. Just kind of left me. But well, they were. Math, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But um, are you uh, ready to ha- travel ahead in time, sir? Um, can we just, this kind of, I got the munchies. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just the secondhand Maybe. smoke. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can stop for some breakfast and then we'll head off. How's that sound? Well, that sounds good. And guess what? We are heading to 2009, so we'll be pretty close to home. So uh, wow. do you want to punch that in? 2009? Yes. One sec. Hmm. Here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got it. Okay, excellent. Here we go. Now, before we um, talk about why we're in 2009, we really should uh, check the voicemail. I see uh, my phone's blinking here. It must have, We must have got a voicemail, so uh, I'm going to play it, all right? Sounds good. Hi, Tony. Hi, Aaron. It's Andrea calling. I'm just wondering when you guys are going to get back because dinner has been waiting for two days now. Please get back to me as soon as you can. Bye. Oh, man, we're going to be in trouble. Um, I thought you said you were going to call Andrea. No, I thought you said you were going to call Cynthia, and I thought it was all like a chain phone thing, you know? Oh, man. Okay. Well, I guess... uh... You know what? Uh, I'm I'm going to put it on you this time since I screwed up on the gas. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm just and I'm just really glad I don't have a dog. Why? Because there's no doghouse. <laughs> 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 and we don't have a cat house. Cat sleeps inside, so I'm good. 
<laughs> so we are in 2009, and this is somewhere I think that both of us... Uh, have you ever been here before? I would love to see this place, but... Well, this is Mendips. So Mendips is a place that John Lennon grew up uh, with his Auntie Mimi. Um, you know, he wasn't raised by his mom. He was raised by his auntie, Auntie Mimi. And uh, this is now a National Trust home, which means that anyone can tour the home. You can go in and, and take a look at it. And, um, you know, Tony, I'm going to be honest with you. We had planned to go there in 2020, by Andrew and I. We um, saved up and the kids were older, so we had booked a trip to Liverpool. We're going to go to the Cavern, McCartney's house. Oh, yeah, it was... and and. Uh, devastated that I didn't get there and I'm hoping you know that uh, maybe in the next five or six years things will open up and we can go again because I would love to see this place oh me too it's on my list for sure I would love to do that tour I've seen it in pictures and and I've seen inside the house in pictures but uh, if you look uh, there's a group a pretty small group coming out of the house but that guy let me just put my glasses on hold on a second Aaron Mm. I think that's Bob Dylan in that crowd of people seriously (laughs) He's not surrounded by bodyguards. It can't be Bob Dylan. I mean, the guy's no, a- no. Seriously, I'm just gonna look again. Hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of the van. Just give me a second. I'm gonna go take a look. Sounds good. Yeah, that's is it, Dylan. That's Bob Dylan. What on earth is he doing here? Um, he's paying his respects to John Lennon. I guess um, this was a this. This he's touring England uh, this year. That's right. Uh, 2009, he's on tour in England, so it makes sense he'd pop around to see. I mean, him and Lennon were friends. Um, That's right. More of a love-hate sometimes. I mean, they, you know, sometimes got on each other's nerves. He was much closer to George. But, um, wow, I didn't, you know, it's incredible that no one talked to him. I mean. Yeah, yeah, nobody recognized him. And uh, I didn't get any sense when I walked over there that anybody knew that that was Bob Dylan. So pretty cool that Bob Dylan, though, would go in by himself into John Lennon's place, I think, don't you? Well, do you remember a couple of years after this? Yeah. Dylan was touring Canada, and people in, I believe it was Winnipeg, called the police because some old guy was looking in their window. (laughs) (laughs) It was Bob Dylan. He wanted to see the home where Neil Young grew up in Winnipeg. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Some old guy, you know. (laughs) But you know, Lennon, uh, Dylan would write a song after he did this tour of Lennon's Home. It came out in 2012 on his album Tempest, and the song is called Roll On John, which is oh. a very, it's a very long song. It's very emotional if you listen to it. It's, I don't know, I mean, I, you, you know that I'm a huge, huge Dylan fan. You know mm-hmm. that. So I would, I would, I would have run up to him at that moment and begged him to adopt me, but um <laughs> Yeah, you know, I didn't want to interrupt that whole space-time continuum thing, so I didn't say anything to him. But Yeah, it could have been his son. Hmm. Oh, well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he just, he went he would, he would went there in that little tour, and he, uh, I guess, no, I mean, maybe people recognized him. Um, that's kind of cool, though. He's a cool dude, right? And, and Ashley, Tony, to come to mention it, not only was he touring Europe and England at the time, he had the, the, the number one album at the time, an album called Together Through Life. Well, yeah. And what else was on the charts that week, actually? Well, you know, that's the best album in the top five. But Beyonce with the classic I Am Sasha Fierce, just kidding, Pink, Funhouse, Lily Allen, It's Not Me, It's You, 
Lady Gaga, The Fame, and at number 46 is an album by a group called The Beatles, and it's called One. And you know what? It's still on the charts in England. One is still on the charts. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Wow. That, that was, do you know that's the largest selling album of this century? Really? Yeah. Around the world, like worldwide, it's it's the, the biggest selling album still. So there you go. And it all started here in Liverpool. It's amazing. Oh, I can, and if those walls could talk, I mean, that, you, can you imagine a young John Lennon listening to the BBC, listening to Elvis, Radio Caroline, Radio Luxembourg, and, and hearing Elvis and the Everly Brothers who he loved and uh, Eddie Cochran and all those people. And you Not know to what? mention Bing Crosby, yeah. And you know what? If we were back in 1960 right now and we said to a lot of people, you know what? In about four years from now, there's four guys from Liverpool are going to be taking the world by storm and will continue to take the world by storm for the next 60 years. Nobody would believe you. We would have been laughed at. (laughs) Well, exactly. Right. They would have said, no, they would have been from London or something. Right. Or, oh yeah. or Or America or America. Right. And you know, Aaron, what's always fascinated me is how four guys from a place like Liverpool, just what was it about Liverpool that allowed or caused that to happen? Because it's amazing. And none of these four guys, you know, had serious musical training. Like, it's incredible. I I don't know uh, how it happened. I mean, I'm glad that it did. But to me, that is so fascinating. Well, I think I think that the, the, the stars aligned, you know. And and the thing about Liverpool, it's funny you ask that question because I just finished reading a book about Liverpool, and you know it's a port city, right? And so you had all these Americans coming in, uh, shipping because it was a shipping place port. That's right, bringing and records and stuff. Bringing records, and then you had, I think it was over two thirds of the population were Irish. I mean, they call it the capital of Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Irish are all about music. Let's be, be clear. I mean, their music is in their DNA. And then you had this, um, you know, what were they going to do anyways? You know, the, 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 there was nothing else. So, and then rock and roll. So you have a combination of teenagers, Irish, and, and these really cool records coming from America. And I think it just kind of went all in one place. And the four of them, and you're right, none of them had training. They never had I mean, John Lennon played banjo chords for the longest time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they just, they felt the music. And and here we are in 2021, uh, still talking about them, right? Yeah, incredible. incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, you know what? It is a time uh, to go to the present because I guess you've got a song picked out for me, don't you? So... (laughs) Let's, uh, oh, I'm, I'm nervous because I kind of gave it to you last week. So um, can you uh, punch in 2021 and I'll. Okay, it's, hopefully. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good news, bad news thing, Tony. Okay, well, let's jump and then I'll. Uh... Oh, boy. Well, that uh, gas that we got back in 1960 held up and we made it home. But uh, to be honest, uh, part of me wishes we didn't because I'm a little worried about what song you're going to get me to listen to here. So what do you got? It's a good news, bad news scenario. The good news is it's under three minutes. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
the bad news is it's someone you've mentioned several times. And I thought, you know, I just think you need to listen to her most recent number one. And I've oh. given you a present. <laughs> <laughs> I've given you a present. Oh. It's in the, uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Cardi B. Oh, you lump of coal for you at Christmas. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Uh, send me the link. I'll listen to it right now. Oh, I've sent it to you. You've got it. <laughs> okay. Um, wish me luck. I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here we go. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> I'm going to break that fourth wall this week too, Tony. Folks, if you could have heard Tony, A, laughing, and B, his comments. I wanted to leave the microphone on while you listened to the song. Gosh, that was the funniest thing. I was sitting here. My sides actually hurt because at one point, point, he looks away from the screen as if, you know, know sometimes when you're driving, you see a horrible car crash. (laughs) That was pretty bad, eh? Oh, you know, Aaron, I generally have faith in humanity, but uh, I lost a lot of it during that two minutes and 45 seconds or whatever that was. But, oh, my goodness, I um, I really don't know what to say about that because I don't know. Um, I don't want to offend people, but I don't see a lot of merit to that. Uh, I'm putting air quotes here, music, you know. <laughs> Just the the auto tune and the and there's no is there auto tune in that? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some music with your auto tune? <laughs> Gosh, but uh, I don't. Uh, you know, is is the point to just be? Eh, and I, I I'm old. Like I know, like you said last week too. You're but you know, vulgarity for vulgarity's sake. I'm I'm not sure that that accomplishes a whole lot like i i don't know and and maybe i'm just old and out of touch but uh i uh no i mean because because you know you just watched um you you know we you said you watched um saturday night fever and there's a lot of swearing in that but it's different right there's a point it was to different. it and, yeah. and it's, it's a different kind of um use of the language as opposed to just trying to shock well i wonder i wonder what happened to get us to the point where that is number one on the charts and I, and I'm not saying it's this is not a racial thing or anything like that but the fact that there's so many talented people who can you know sing in tune and play instruments um, and yet something like that is what people are listening to the most and I wonder like how we got to that point where that is what what is number one and we'll probably sit at number one for a while I would expect. Yeah, well, for sure, and and um, you know how we got there is streaming counts. Um, I I don't know, you know, it, it it baffles me because even you know even in the past when you had pop songs, as, you know, you had some really horrible, you know, pop songs being in the top five or whatever. But now it just seems to be this kind of and it's, and there's a there's a level of anger to it as well, but not well-placed yeah. anger like i'm all for protests i'm all for oh me too but anyways i, I had to <laughs> well sorry. i hope we're still friends i really oh do. yes yes of course of course <laughs> you know and uh now we know that we can't go much uh, lower so all right oh uh, no oh no 
<laughs> well, it's my turn next week. So. I know, I know. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, anyways, I, I, I think that we got there because, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have, an, I, I have a, a grandnephew, grandnephew, grandnephew. And um, a little while back, when we could, we were driving with my brother and, his, and we're listening to the radio. And he put on the current Top 40 and every song sounded the bloody same. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've become my mother. But you know, it was every song was like, is this a new singer? I can't tell anymore. And the auto-tuning, yeah. can we, I blame Cher for that. But other than that, yeah. you know. Well, and you compare it to like if you, you know, because like I said before, this is not a knock against, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone's skin color or anything like that because you look back look at the brilliant music that people like stevie wonder who i absolutely worship or marvin gay produced you know and and to go from that to this just makes me a little sad but again that's it's probably because i'm old but uh, on a positive note we made it back to 2021 we've got yeah. a we've got a little apologizing to do to our spouses <laughs> Think up some flowers, some chocolate. That's, yeah, and uh, we better uh, you know make sure that our stories match up. So, <laughs> <laughs> what happens at the fourteen-hour Technicolor concert stays. <laughs> I agree. Well, you know what? That was a great trip, Aaron. It was and, a great uh, trip. It was a long one, but it was a good one. So I don't know where we're off to next week, but that was a great trip, Tony. Yeah, excellent. Well, we'll uh, we'll find out next week, I guess. But uh, see you later, pal. See you later, man. Music for today's episode of the Wayback Music Machine podcast was written by Rick Denee. The show notes, chart selection, and Spotify playlist were created by Aaron Badgley. And the artwork, recording, editing, and sound production was done by Tony Stewart. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to tell a friend or two. And don't forget to click follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player to get the latest episodes automatically. And we'd love it if you would leave us a review. You can also engage with the show by going on our website and leaving us a voicemail. We may even play your voicemail on an upcoming episode. Thanks for taking this road trip with us, and we'll see you next time on the Wayback Music Machine Podcast. Hey, turn the radio up. I love this song. The Wayback Music Machine podcast is a Stewie Tunes production.
It's not just business, it's personal. And Signature Theater's new musical, No Place to Go. When dedicated employee George discovers his company is relocating to Mars, he must decide whether to go and uproot his family's life or embark on an unknown venture. Featuring DC star Bobby Smith, No Place to Go is an irreverent and humorous musical with an enterprising twist. Now playing at Signature Theater through October 16th. Get your tickets at sigtheater.org.